This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the out-of-the-box draft of the athletes to join the guys in undetermined sporting events. Question and answer covers what if Steph Curry doesn't win NBA Finals MVP again and who should go number one in the NBA draft. This week in sports covers updates on the St. Louis Cardinals, the Tennessee Volunteers baseball and football teams from Dylan Holt, as well as updates for the Detroit Tigers and the Michigan Wolverines quarterback battle from Dylan Jesperson, as well as picks for NBA Finals game six and seven if necessary. to the Dylan and Dylan show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports back at it again for this Friday June 17th edition for the show DJ Dylan Jesperson here with me as always DH Dylan Holtz Dylan how are you doing my man I reckon I'm doing good I've been worse uh I was a lot worse on Sunday at approximately like two o'clock I was doing really really bad and I'll get into that later in the show uh, but yeah, I, I'm doing all right. I, uh, I've become a bandwagon Colorado Avalanche fan. So coming off a big win in game one of the Stanley Cup finals and uh, feeling pretty good. Yeah, go Avs, baby. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I hope everyone is doing well out there as well. Uh, we said last week that we hoped there would still be basketball this week. And as of today, Thursday, March 16th, when we're recording this, the finals are still going. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Warrior, when you're listening to this, whenever it may be, you'll know whether the Warriors have got done in game six or if we've gotten a game seven. But uh, we're hoping for that. We're hoping that it continues to, to give us what we want. So uh, hoping for a game seven. Excited for that. And excited to get into today's show. Let's get right into it. First up, it's out of the box time. I'm sure most of you saw this, but if you didn't see the story, there was a grandma in western Pennsylvania last week playing pickleball at her local park, just getting, you know, her exercise in when three, you know, kind of bigger athletic dudes showed up and started to play with her. Uh, she did not realize who those dudes were, and those dudes turned out to be TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Alex Highsmith of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I would I love stories like that, and that story got me thinking about like which athletes I would want in my squad in a pickleball game, and frankly, any game. And that is the thought process behind this week's out of the box draft. This week, Dylan and I will be drafting four current athletes that will join us for a variety of sports. And the kicker is, we don't know what those sports will be. Could be basketball, could be pickleball, could be any. Sp- Thing you consider a sport so we will need to devise a strategy to give us the best chance to win uh with anything that's thrown our way with a group of athletes uh that will be able to handle whatever is thrown our way should be exciting should be fun ready to get into it dylan you want me to flip the coin i've got one ready right here yeah you got it go for it yep i want heads got us <laughs> i got a standard one ready to go here and i believe Ale. Oh, tails. that is a nice little eagle. That's there. tails. That is a bald eagle. 
I am going to take the first pick just because my first pick is someone that I could very well see you taking uh, first overall. So with my first pick, uh, my thought process with this was simple. I want people that can do multiple things at high levels. I want them uh, to throw, to run, to hit, whether that be a part of their game. Uh, and I don't, I don't need the best of one thing. I need someone that's good at everything. And the main man that fits that list right now is Shohei Otani. Shohei is there's no one that can do multiple things at the highest level as Shohei. He can throw baseballs at 100 miles per hour. He can hit them farther than most humans can. And one of the most underrated parts of Shohei's game is how fast he is. He's superhuman fast, maybe the fastest dude in the MLB. And that's saying a lot because there's dudes like Byron Buxton in the league that can really move. So uh, Shohei can fit in so many different ways. And I feel like his skill set is something that I mean we've obviously seen it in baseball alone but in any sport can translate to you know whether it be tennis or whatever it may, whatever it may be I could see him being a great long distance runner that's kind of the vibe I get from Shohei I don't think he could be bad at really anything that he tried so uh with my number one overall pick I'm going with the most versatile guy I think in all sports right now and that's Shohei Otani uh, I'll throw it to you for your first two picks I did not have Shohei on my list because when I I made my list I was like, I'm going to pick guys that I have not picked before in any other draft. I was like, I keep picking the same people. I want different people on my team. But Shohei would have definitely been on there if it's not like if I wasn't picking him every week for something. Um, for my first pick, I'm also going baseball. And I'm going with a guy. I was I was watching a Cardinals-Padres game a couple weeks ago, and they are interviewing, I think, Will Myers. It was one of the Padres. I was half paying attention. And they asked him, like, who's the best player in the MLB? And he said, Byron Buxton. And I was like – okay and he elaborated he's like he's the best athlete in the league like by far and i was like he's like making really good points he's like this guy might be the best athlete in the world i was like whoa that is like big praise from like your peer and i was like i'm sold so i've been on a big byron buxton kick for the past two weeks so byron can do everything he's super fast he's, he's a super athlete and i could easily see him being obviously pickleball he can do that he can hit he can run all that he can throw I can see him. I can see Byron Buxton being a very versatile basketball player, playing like a wing or guard position. He could definitely play like pickup football. I can see Byron Buxton doing it all. I'm very happy to get him with my first pick. My second pick, I'm going to go to a guy that's dominated the news the past few days. Uh, I guess you could say the past few weeks. I'm going with Golden State Warriors star Andrew Wiggins. I've been on a big Andrew Wiggins kick for the past decade almost. I, when Wiggins was in high school, I got to see him play, and I immediately became a fan. It was at Marshall County High School uh, in western Kentucky, not far from where I live. And a spectator that was there, they're like, you see that kid wearing 22? They call him Maple Jordan because he's from Canada, and he's going to be the next Michael Jordan. I was like, I'm sold. And we've seen, obviously, if you're a basketball fan, you've seen the emergence of Andrew Wiggins through high school. He was a phenom, number one prospect, went to Kansas and had flashes at Kansas, saw all of his things in Minnesota. Wiggins is a freak athlete. I have no doubt you throw Wiggins in any kind of pickup game scenario, he thrives. And I'm just a big fan of good old Maple Jordan, and I want to pick Andrew Wiggins. He's having a big week, so I'll just continue to pile on to his big week. And Andrew Wiggins is my second pick to go along with my first pick of Byron Buxton. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. 
I love both of those picks. Uh, that Byron Buxton pick got me on a little bit of a tangent here, and I'm looking at Byron Buxton's huddle page right now, and he was a quarterback at uh, in Georgia, wherever he went to high school. So uh, I think that was a good pick. Love both of those picks. With my next pick, uh, I'm going with another guy that fits my parameters to a T. That's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is a guy that I think everyone should want on a, on a team like this because – you know, not only is he one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best throwing quarterbacks in the league, he's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the league, which is, you know, in itself, you know, it's doing something versatile. Uh, I've always referred to Russell Wilson as like the prototype of what you should want, like your ideal dual threat quarterback to look like too. Someone you can trust his arms and his legs equally. He's probably slightly a better passer than he is a runner. But with him at quarterback, you can literally run any type of offense that you want to run. Like he is good enough to run a pro style. He's good enough to run a spread offense. He can do basically anything you want him to. And that's my hope to get him out of any sport we play. And don't forget, he also spent those springs with the Rangers in the spring training. So he's also a good baseball player. He's versatile. He can do a lot of things. And uh, I think Russell Wilson fits to a T. And I'm happy to have him on my, uh, on my team. Uh, with my next pick, I'm going with LeBron. Uh, I think that's probably a, maybe a little bit he's a little bit older on the older side. But whenever I talk about LeBron and, and whenever the LeBron versus MJ argument comes up, my argument used to be LeBron is the greatest athlete ever who just per, happened to pick to play basketball. And, and MJ is the greatest basketball player. And I think over the years, LeBron's only shortened that gap between MJ and like uh, great basketball players. And no one's coming close to like how great of an athlete LeBron is. If you could build an athlete, when you go into like create a player in Madden or NCAA or whatever it may be, if you could build a six foot nine, 250 pound dude, that's fast, that's strong, that's quick, that can jump higher than everyone else. uh, He's going to fit in every possible sport that you want him to be in. So uh, I think if you had LeBron, if, if the backyard sports were still a thing, LeBron would be like the Pablo Sanchez of backyard sports because he would just have maxed out stats in everything because he's just so good at everything. So, uh, and I think, you know, he was obviously an all time basketball player in high school, an all time football player too. I'll say this every time I get the chance to say it. If he would have continued on the football route, he would have been the greatest wide receiver tight end ever, because I don't think he he's too athletic to really stick him at tight end and make him block all the time. But he's so like, he's so big, like at wide receiver, he's going to dwarf anyone that covers him anyway. So uh, I, 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 all of that is to say LeBron is an amazing athlete and I think you could put him on any team and that team would be very, very good because of it. So uh, I'll add LeBron and I'll add Russell Wilson uh, to Shohei Otani and I'll throw it to you for your last two picks. Your Russell Wilson pick inspired me because this guy was not even like on my honorable mentions, didn't even think of him, but I'm going with a guy that doesn't want to be on his team. He's currently on right now. I'm talking about Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals because Kyler, as we all know, could have been playing minor league baseball right now for the Oakland athletics. All right. He'd probably be in the pros to be honest, because the athletics are terrible. But um, Kyler Murray, that's a guy you can play baseball, play football. I'm sure you throw him on a basketball court, he'd do all right. Kyler's one heck of an athlete. He's just kind of short, which is okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Kyler, he's, it's a no-brainer. He's super fast. He play baseball, play football, like I said. And I feel like he'd fit right in anywhere else. Um, yeah, that one kind of came out of nowhere for me. It just kind of popped in my head. Pick My final pick, I want to get crazy. 
I'm between a soccer player and a hockey player. And I'm going to go with the soccer player because I know more about it. I'm going with, from Chelsea, Christian Pulisic, the LeBron James of soccer. I feel like if you're in any pickup situation and you're like, oh, I can get the LeBron James of anything. You took LeBron. I can't get LeBron. I can take the LeBron James of soccer, though, and I'm getting Christian Pulisic, Captain America himself. I, he's, he's the next great thing in American soccer. And who knows? We might be playing some pickup soccer. And he comes right in, fits right in. He's a freak athlete. If you've seen him play any soccer at all, you're like, okay, yeah, this guy can do the do the sports. It's very clear. It jumps off the television screen. But, yeah, I, I'm happy to add Captain America to Kyler Murray, Andrew Wiggins, and Byron Buxton. And, by the way, I also did a little research about Mr. Buxton. He received a football scholarship to the University of Georgia. That's insane. That, that is not easy to do and also be the number two pick in the MLB draft. So I was happy about my Buxton pick. I'm even happier now because he's a freak. Yeah, he was a quarterback and a corner in high school and also just a you know world-renowned baseball player at the same time too. So uh, obviously love those picks as well. Christian Pulisic's a great pick. Uh, yeah, you never know. If, if soccer comes up, you're going to be uh, the winning team there because I did not pick a soccer player. With my last pick, uh, I'm going back into the NBA game and I'm going with Steph Curry. Uh, obviously on all of our minds and we're going to get into it probably here in a couple of seconds here, but uh, with the Warriors on the brink of another ring, people forget he's a very, very good golfer at the same time too. He is uh, one of those guys that kills it on those pro-am tournaments and actually runs those tournaments all the time. So something tells me that he would be very, very good uh, in those types of sports, those oddball kind of like almost like lawn game type sports. Obviously golf is a big sport, but like, I feel like Steph would be great at those types of like darts or horseshoes or stuff like that. And something tells me he probably played baseball growing up too. He seems like a guy that would fit in a baseball uniform. So uh, I I have a feeling Steph Curry would be a great pick more on just field than anything else. And and the fact he's a great golfer and an amazing basketball player too. So add him to LeBron and and you get to put LeBron and Steph Curry on the same team. That's a good, uh, but add him to LeBron, add him to Russell Wilson and Shohei Otani. And that rants out my team. Uh, Any alternates that didn't make your list on. Oh, I have so many. I just made a list of athletes. Connor McDavid from hockey is who I was alluding to. I've been on a big Connor McDavid uh, kick since the NHL playoff started. Aaron Donald, Zion Williamson, Blake Griffin, if this was a few years ago, I would have picked Blake Griffin. Scotty Barnes, DK Metcalf, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Cristiano Ronaldo, LeBron, Mike Trout, Ronald Acuna, Lamar Jackson, and Jawan Jennings. That was just a personal pick. I just kind of wanted Jawan. But, yeah, those are all my alternates. Did you have any alternates? Yeah, I, I had Kyler Murray down in case you picked Russell Wilson. I figured that would just be like a substitute guy. Uh, J.R. Smith, obviously basketball days are behind him, but college golfer as well. Uh, Jameis Winston, Florida State baseball player, as well as a football player. And then Matthew Stafford, as any Lions fan will tell you, was Clayton Kershaw's catcher in high school. So uh, obviously a lot of good multi-sport athletes there. Uh, uh excited to see how the votes go for that one uh the votes are still open for this week's out of the box so please go check that dylan and dylan show twitter at dylan, dylan show we're gonna move on to the question and answer segment dylan and i have questions for one another and we just talked about steph curry as a versatile athlete but we're concerned about him 
and his team in the NBA Finals now. Uh, by the time of our next recording, we will know if the Warriors have indeed won another ring, and more importantly for this conversation, if Steph has yet again been denied an NBA Finals MVP award in favor of a teammate, obviously KD winning those back-to-back years, and Iguodala winning back in 2015. Uh, if the Warriors win in game six and Andrew Wiggins has another big game, there's a very real chance that Curry will have four rings and will be 0 for 4 in finals MVPs in those four rings. And my question is simply this. If he does not win finals MVP again, how do you feel about that? I really want to see it happen. Like, like we kind of set this up perfect with our draft because I picked Wiggins and you picked Curry. Um, I'm a big Wiggins guy, and I would love – to see this revenge tour he's been on. I've just kind of proven to people that he's not this huge bust, that he is a very good NBA player. He's an all-star starter this year. And a lot of people are like, what a joke. He just got there because Warrior fans. No, Wiggins is good. Obviously, there's guys in the Western Conference that probably should have started over him. But Wiggins is a really, really good basketball player, and he's he's shown how, how valuable he's been in the series, especially the last couple of games. The things he's done on defense, rebounding, scoring, it's been so valuable. And it kind of fits the narrative of these Warriors teams that have played in these finals where it's like, okay, the team's been built around Steph and Clay and Draymond for all these years, but it's other guys winning finals MVP, whether it's Iggy, KD twice. And then this year, maybe Andrew Wiggins. Like it's, it's insane that like, obviously we all know the Warriors success runs through that big three of Draymond, Clay and Steph. Like that's what it's been. That's the, that's the mold. That's the building blocks and, Steve Kerr's done such a great job, but it's kind of funny because you see these other guys are the guys that get the trophy at the ceremony. It's not Steph. It's not Clay. It's not Draymond. And it just, it just kind of fits the narrative. It's I like being like a jokester. I'm like, ah, Steph Curry still doesn't have a finals MVP. And it just, I don't know. I obviously you want to see him get it. Because, like, Steph's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He deserves, like, out of the four championships they've won, you'd think, like, yeah, he deserves at least one finals MVP. But it very well might not happen. And I'm okay with it. I think I don't want it to be, like – because it feels like – I'm running in circles here. But it feels like since before this series started, the narrative has been, will Steph get that finals MVP? And I don't want him to just give it to him. Because if he struggles, again, like you guys already know, if he struggled in game six and Wiggins had another game of 25-plus points and 10-plus rebounds, Wiggins probably deserves it. At this point, he's probably the reason that they're able to win and secure this championship. So if that's the case, then give it to him. But if Curry goes out and balls, give it to him. It's cool. He adds another piece to his legacy, a fourth championship and a finals MVP. He he. Get just climbs the ladder farther and playoff competitors and overall just the overall list of basketball. Probably, I don't want to say a finals MVP makes him a top 10 player ever, but I mean, he's definitely getting really close and that accolade will just put him higher up on that list. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very on the fence as to who should get it right now. Cause I'm, I'm such a big fan of Wiggins, but Curry, he's an all time great and it's hard to overlook what he's done, especially game five. That was a huge performance. And I don't know. I, it's really going to come down to game six if they win, whether he has a good game or whatever happens in game seven. So, yeah, there's still a lot to see. What do you think? First off, I, I think the finals MVP is a weird award. Like, I don't even know who decides that award. And, like, I think the uh, the the consistency or the lack there of consistency when it comes to awarding it has made people care about it less and less. And it just kind of sucks that, you know, if – and, you know, if Wiggins wins this year and Curry doesn't get it, that we're going to have 
you know, on, you know, educated NBA fans 20 years or so down the road going, well, oh, well, Curry never won a finals MVP and he won four rings. It's well, if you knew what was going on with that Warriors team, you would know differently and why things happened that way. Uh, I think in the past we've overlooked what Curry has been to that Warriors team because that Warriors team has been so good, especially the Iguodala MVP year. I think a lot of people look at that as like that his MVP. That's the year he probably should have won his MVP. It, it, it really wasn't Iguodala who allowed LeBron to basically average a triple-double in that finals. It was probably Steph. Uh, and, and this year has really proved that, like, Curry is, you know, a, if it wasn't proven with the unanimous MVP and the back-to-back MVPs, this year dragging this Warriors team to the NBA Finals has really proved it because, you know, obviously Clay is back this year, but he's not the same Clay he was. Wiggins has balled in the Finals, but like you said, a few months ago, we were laughing about how he was an all-star starter. Like, he's he's good, and I agree. He's he's definitely been overlooked to, to an extent, but he is not uh, what I would call an elite number two to, to match to, an, to a Curry like this. And I love Jordan Poole, and I love the roster that they have assembled around Curry, but Really, the fact of the matter is, is that Curry is the number one on this team, and it's not even close. And you, you could almost make the case that Tatum has a more talented Oscar around him. I mean, Jalen Brown, uh, the what he can do as a number two and what Marcus Smart can do as a defender has been almost better than what Clay and Draymond and, you know, at times Wiggins has given to them. Now, with that all being said, I don't think we're giving the award to Curry because he didn't win it in the past. And if we're looking at just who deserves this finals MVP as of this recording, it is Andrew Wiggins. It's I know Curry had the 43 point game, but it comes down to crunch time when the Warriors need to put the Celtics away. It's been Andrew Wiggins that they've turned to. He's then the one taking it to the rim and making something happen. And he's been electric while doing it. That's without talking about the elite defense and the elite rebounding that's come out of nowhere. I mean, he hit his career high in rebounds in what game five what was it that he that he had a career high in rebounds. So I mean, like he has been the the thing that's pushed them over the top because this was a very even series through four games, and I think the emergence of Andrew Wiggins has been what has pushed the Warriors past the Celtics and on the brink of winning the the finals. So to sum up where my, I'm at. I think it just sucks that Curry was overlooked in the past. I think you could have given him a finals MVP one of the KD years or especially the Iguodala year. Uh, but I do think as of right now, like Wiggins deserves it. And uh, it, it, it just sucks that like sometime down the road, someone's going to use that against Steph's like legacy. Like, Oh, he never won a finals MVP. It's like, dude, that Warriors team was so good for so long. There's a reason why he didn't win the finals MVP. It's more, you know, impressive that, you know, he got the four rings because when we look back on it, when we look back on watching this Warriors team, yeah, he might not have won a finals MVP, but he was the MVP of this dynasty. And there's no doubt that the Warriors are a dynasty at this point, especially if they win this next ring. So uh, I think that's kind of going to be like the way we got to look at it uh, and, and bring it up when, uneducated people down the road try to tell us that Steph wasn't good because he didn't win a finals MVP at some point because he's been great. I mean, he's been, he, he has been the, as my basketball coach would say, the straw that stirs the drink uh, for the Warriors. 
Um, I think it's a testament to him, too, and him allowing his teammates to step up. Because there's some guys, and I am a huge LeBron fan. LeBron wouldn't let that happen. It'd be LeBron taking a million shots. And Kobe Bryant the same way. And it's nothing against those guys. But Steph's unselfishness and him knowing how great his team is, I mean, like, I can trust Andrew Wiggins. I can trust Kevin Durant. I can trust Iggy to allow LeBron to average a triple-double. Those things are huge for a team to become a dynasty. And I, I think that's something that down the road when 12-year-olds in 2035 are like, well, Steph never won finals MVP. Those are the types of things we'll have to remind them. It's like, hey, Steph was unselfish enough to be like, okay, I'm 0 from 9 from 3 tonight. Let me let Wiggins drive to the rim and dunk all over who, whoever it was to basically end the game and take a 3-2 lead going back to Boston. He, he's the guy that will do that, and I think that's huge. And it's something that people don't admit or don't want to say, and I think that – that goes a long way, and it speaks to his character. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, it, it's it's an it's an undefinable thing that you can put on Steph Curry. It's like why the Warriors have been so good, though is is that unselfishness that Steph Curry uh, possesses as a an elite guy, a borderline top ten all time guy. Uh, so that'll move us on to our next question as, uh, the next group of hopefully borderline top 10 guys, uh, makes it into the NBA through the draft next week. Yeah. We're less than a week away from the NBA draft now, which I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. I didn't realize it. Um, like literally as you're listening to this six days from now, the NBA draft will be happening. And this draft, I feel like it's weird because we don't have like a real locked in number one. Like it could go three different ways. Really. There's a big three in this draft. You got Jabari Smith from Auburn. Paulo Banchero from Duke and Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. And what I want to know is who do you think Orlando should pick number one overall next Thursday? So really, I don't think you can go wrong on this answer. I think we're looking at like one of the most top heavy draft classes we've seen in a while. Uh, And anyone within the top three should be happy to be there, which is why as a Pistons fan, I was really happy when we are really unhappy when we dropped out of the top three. Uh, And I'm hoping that somehow this Jeremy Grant chatter turns into us jumping back into the top three and getting in on one of these guys. Now, if I have to make a pick, it does depend on what team I'm drafting for. A team like Orlando or Detroit, uh, I, I wouldn't mind taking a guy like Jabari. You know, what you need. Is my microphone doing that? Uh, letting him develop what you need to be, you know, a true NBA guy. Because, like, right now, he is a 6'10 shooter with, you know, really good high ceiling at, at other spots, but he's a 6'10 jump shooter right now. And he has a little bit of work to do be, to become a real, you know, true bona fide NBA scorer. So uh, I think a franchise like Orlando would be ready to take him and, and let him develop because their rebuilds, you know, still a couple years away from really being completed. Now, if you're another franchise that's looking for instant, you know, instant success out of a guy uh, at the number one pick. I think Van Carroll probably fits that a little bit more. I, I've been high on Van Carroll for months, and I wanted really why I wanted the Pistons to be in the top three is to get a guy like Van Carroll who has maybe a little bit less of an upside than Jabari Smith does, but is way more polished now, and you're going to get something out of him immediately. I think he would probably be the, the favorite for rookie of the year if you had to give me uh, an option right now because he's going to be really really good right away and he's got all of the things that can make you uh, an nba star uh so if you know I, i'm high on him i think if the pistons get a chance to get him somehow and move up and get him i would be very happy to do that if i'm making the pick though and it's my franchise and this is supposed to be my number one pick i think i'm taking holmgren and letting the chips fall where they be i i, I think 
Jabari and Paulo are both elite players and they're going to be elite players have a chance to be all pro type guys. But I also feel like we've seen what their ceilings are before. We've seen guys that are like them. Could are either of them an improvement on like Kevin Durant or Paul George, you know, probably not, you know, maybe. And that's like, if everything goes the right way, if they, everything goes the right way, you're going to get another KD or Paul George, which is amazing. But we've seen that, but with Chet, like we only saw a glimpse of like what, Chet could be at his greatest. And that was when Kristaps, before he tore his ACL in New York, when he had, I think it was like a year and a half when he was playing just like lights out basketball and he was changing the NBA. Everyone was like looking at the big man spot difference. Like, okay, we need our Kristaps Porzingis. We need to develop these guys from a young age to play like this, because this is the future of the NBA. If you have a seven footer that can move the way that Kristaps does and shoot the way Kristaps does and move the basketball the way he does, that would be amazing. And that's what Chet is basically. And it's been him for a young age. We've seen that. We're like, this is Kristaps 2.0. He's a unicorn. And there's going to be no real answer for that if he turns into really what you think he could turn into. Now, my biggest concern with Chet, like everybody, is his body and specifically his knees because Kristaps had the ACL injury. Anyone that's like shaped like Chet, has knee injuries and has knee problems throughout their, their career. So I know I, I, that's got to be weighing on the heads of anyone that has a chance to draft yet. But I think if it's my number one pick, I'm trying to make the right pick at number one overall and get the best guy who has the biggest upside available. I think it's Chet Holmgren. I think that's the way that I'm going. It would be different if I had, a, if, if it was, for Orlando, if it was truly Orlando, I think they will go with Jabari Smith because that's just kind of the way we've all been hearing the way that they've been leaning. But if it's me, if I'm trying to get the best guy in this draft, I think I'm taking Chet Holmgren and, and letting the, the chips fall as they do. But I'd like to hear what you have to say about it too. Chet scares me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the body type or what, but I've never like watching Chet. I've never just been like wowed. Like I like I see the athleticism, I see the flashes and all that, but I've never been like, I need this guy. And I don't know what it is. I just I just never been like that. I get the hype. I hundred percent get the hype. And he's he's a unicorn, like you said, but he just seems like one of these guys that gets to the NBA. He doesn't really have a position fit. Like, I don't see how if you're Orlando, you're like, okay, I want to put him at center. Or we're gonna develop him. I don't trust Orlando to develop anyone. They just had Mo Bamba seemed like a clear-cut case of, like, that guy's going to be a superstar center, and they screwed him up royally. That guy has is nowhere what we thought he would be. He's like, he's probably going to leave Orlando this offseason. I don't see them matching an offer for him. And it feels like a similar case with a guy that has a much worse frame. Like, Mo Bamba, like, was solid. That was a big dude coming in the NBA, and he just put on more mass, and it hasn't mattered. And that that scares me with a guy like Chet that if he goes to an organization like Orlando that hasn't been great at developing players, he might be royally screwed. He might be a guy that's out of the league in like four years, and that shouldn't happen. And that that's why I'm, I'm scared that Chet's going to get in an organization that really, really screws him up, and Orlando seems like a place like that. I want to see Chet be really good, and I, I want to see Chet be what we thought Bull Bowl was going to be. And I think that might be why I've been scared of Chet going into this draft because I was so high on Bull Bowl. I thought Bull Bull was going to be a superstar, and he's played like three minutes in the NBA. And it's really, really disappointing. He can't stay healthy, though. And maybe Chet can get in the gym, put on muscle, 
and become the unicorn that we want to see. But I just, I don't know. It scares me that he won't be able to. And you hit the nail on the head with Paulo. I think you're getting what you see. I think Paulo is really good. I think Paulo is going to be the rookie of the year. I think he's going to like help a team like win games next year. And like, he's going to be, he's just going to be really good. I don't think he's the highest, highest ceiling of these three. I think that's Cheddar Jabari because those two could like Pokemon evolve into like monsters. Uh, but I think Paulo's just going to be really good. He feels like if this was like the old three draft, he's like in the mellow spot where it's like, yeah, he's just really good. And he's going to walk in and be really good. And I think that's what Paulo is. And whoever gets him is going to be thrilled from day one. And Jabari, I don't know if it's because I watched way more Auburn than Duke or Gonzaga and getting to see Jabari play against Murray. Jabari's really, really good. And I just, I can't help but like when I'm watching Auburn or when I watched Auburn, I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. And that was a really good basketball team with like veteran players all over the floor, multiple guys that are in this draft. And it's like, yeah, Jabari's by far the best one. Every single time they played, no matter who they played, he was the best player on the floor. It's like you get the ball to him and you get out of the way. And I'm like, that's a guy I want on my team. I want to see what we can make him become, what he can become on his own. I just, he feels like, it feels like he'd be harder to screw up than Chet. And I don't know what it is about it, whether it's because he seems like, he seems like he's a more finished product. Like you said, he's got to develop more of the inside scoring because right now he is, he's a shooter and if you already got the shooting, that's a long way in today's NBA. You, you've got that down. That goes a long way. And I feel like if I had the number one pick, I'd probably go with Jabari. So I really, really like him. And it, I think it's when it comes down to things like this, where you've got three players, it's a feel thing. And if you're like, okay, I like Chet, like you said, you pick Chet. That, I think that's how these GMs do it. Because, I mean, there really is no wrong way to go. And I think fan bases, if you're an Orlando fan, you got to feel like you're in heaven. Because, like, no matter who you pick, you're like, okay, I've got the next superstar. I've got the next guy that's going to be top five in the league, just like you guys were last year with Cade. You're like, we're set. We're in the next, like, three, four years, we're going to be in the playoffs. And that's how they should feel because any of these guys are going to be studs as long as Orlando can get over, like, that curse of, like, they've got to develop some players. they got to get Franz Wagner to be what he can be. He showed flashes last year. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, they've got so much young talent. They just need to put it all together. And that the East isn't that great. Like Orlando, they're adding a superstar in theory. They're, they could be right there. And if they make the right pick, which in my mind, I think it's Shabari and yours, Chet, they could be right there. And they, that has to be so exciting. And I'm very, very excited to see where they go with the number one pick next Thursday, six days from now. It's There's so many possibilities. That's what I love about the NBA. And they, they dramatize it so well. And it's I'm really, really excited to see how it all plays out. Yeah, we're really hitting like the initial start of like draft NBA draft stuff with the the Mavericks and Rockets trade that happened last night for Christian Wood with that trade. I mean, that's like the beginning of like we're going to see trades throughout the rest of the week. We're going to see rumors on where guys are going to be going. This is, It's going to be a fun week as we build up to the draft next week. Uh, we'll move on to this week in sports. It's been an update. Uh, it's been a while since we did an update on our teams. We know many of our listeners either share an interest with one of our teams or at least like to hear when we struggle. So, uh, Dylan, uh, I'll throw it to you. How are you feeling about your teams as of late? Um, I've got three teams I'm going to talk about today. I feel really good about two of them. One of them, not so much. And I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the show. So I'm going to start with the bad stuff. I'm, I'm like gradually getting to the things I'm more excited about. 
So um, at the end of last week's show, I said, yeah, Tennessee, they're in the super regional baseball. I love college baseball. It's the best, my favorite sport. Um, I was like, they got Notre Dame. They just got to beat them twice and they'll be in the college world series. And then right before I stopped talking and I was like, I'm going to get off. I was like, but that probably won't happen because it's Tennessee. That's exactly what happened. Notre Dame beat the number one team in the country, a team some people called the best team in college baseball history, Tennessee, two out of three times, uh, and eliminated Tennessee from the College World Series and the Super Regionals in Knoxville. That was very embarrassing. It was embarrassing to be a Tennessee fan on social media because, man, everybody clowned Tennessee, whether it was players, coaches, fans, whatever it could be, they were clowning us, and that sucked. But – you look at it, Tennessee is a program that no one cared about baseball like three years ago. And now it's like, it's not over football because Tennessee football is the biggest thing on the planet to Tennessee fans. But it has become a huge deal where tickets to the games cost like $400. I can go to a Cardinals game for way less than that. And that's the St. Louis freaking Cardinals. Like Tennessee baseball has become a huge deal to Tennessee fans. And that's to the credit of Tony Vitello and his staff and the players. There's nine All-Americans. Like, holy cow. The things they've been able to do in such a short amount of time, it's really, really exciting. They've loaded up on transfers and recruits. They're going to be right back next year being the villains of college baseball. And it's really fun to root for the villains. It makes sports more fun. Uh, I saw a really great point on Twitter, or two great points. What Tennessee did, a lot of people didn't like this year in college baseball, but it was good for college baseball because they they became a team that everybody could root against, and they had fun, and they talked trash, and that's good for college baseball. It made those clips that went viral and everyone saw, and that's a good thing. More people paid attention. Also, they got America to root for Notre Dame. That's something that no one can do. So I think that shows just how much of a villainous team they became, and that's really, really cool. It's a team that I will never forget. I have not seen many Tennessee athletic teams be good. And that team was dominant, 57 wins. I mean, that just doesn't happen in Knoxville anymore. So it was really, really neat to see. Fun season. Really sad at how it ended, but that's Tennessee. Now, the St. Louis Cardinals. Holy cow. They have been on fire. They are now in first place in the NL Central because the rest of the NL Central sucks. The Brewers have lost a million games in a row. The Pirates keep losing. The Cubs suck. The uh, Reds are not very good. It's just the Central is not great, and the Cardinals are like, all right, we'll just we'll just take the lead. I, I believe it's at two and a half right now because Paul Goldschmidt is playing like an MVP. He just hits home runs every day. He goes like three for four every day, just being the man. He's being the absolute man, and I love it. The pitching staff is starting to pick up the flack. They're getting healthy. Jack Flaherty's back. He pitched last night. Wasn't the best, but he's back. That's a huge thing. The rotation gets uh, an arm that's been really good in the past, and hopefully as he gets more time under and more experience against MLB bats this season, he'll be Jack Flaherty. Uh, And then my last point, Brendan Donovan is getting no love in the national media, and I don't get it. He's a rookie utility guy for the Cardinals. And he's been one of the most consistent guys. It's been like Tommy Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, and then Brendan Donovan. He gets like four hits every other night. And it's incredible. He plays good defense. And I just don't see enough people like talking good about him. Because I like, every time I watch the game, I'm like, okay, Brendan Donovan's coming up to bat. He's going to see like seven pitches and then put it in play. And that's a huge deal for a rookie. He plays the game like a veteran. And I just, 
I've tweeted multiple times. I'm like, give that guy a lifetime contract. I want him to be a Cardinal for the rest of my life, the rest of his life. He's just, he's really, really fun to watch. Now, the thing I'm most excited about, I, I've, I've layered this. Tennessee volunteer football. I know you're probably listening to this. You're like, what are you talking about? It's the middle of summer. I know. It's June, and I'm pumped up. I, there have been tons of media outlets that are projecting Tennessee to finish second in the SEC East. That East is going to be really competitive this year with Tennessee, Georgia, uh, Kentucky, which feels weird to say in football, and Florida. And they're saying Tennessee's right there behind Georgia. And I, whew, that's all I needed. I saw the schedule two days ago. I was on the phone with my friends. And I said, hey, I just saw the schedule. Tennessee beats Pittsburgh week two. They might go 10 and two. That, that, they really might go 10 and two. And I'm like, this roster is loaded. Hendon Hooker back for a senior year. They added Brew McCoy, a five-star, former top prospect. Man. So the freshmen look really good. Those transfers look good. I'm all about it. It's We're still quite a bit away from football season. But I'm pumped up. I cannot wait for it. And the thing is, the great thing about Tennessee football, which I always try to mention on this show, is no matter how pumped up I get throughout the summer, which last summer, you guys know, I was not very excited about Tennessee football. And I was pleasantly surprised because Tennessee wasn't terrible last year. They were fun to watch at least. I'm very excited this year, which means you guys are going to have the pleasure of hearing upset Dylan Holt all fall because there's no chance they're going to actually be good. But I'm very excited to see it. It's the excitement meter is like up to like a 2019 Jeremy Pruitt level. And that that means nothing good's going to happen. And I'm very excited to see it all play out. But yeah, the Vols, they might be back. Love all that stuff other than, you know, obviously Tennessee taking a dump in the in the College World Series. My only team playing right now are the Detroit Tigers, and they're so bad that they threw three position players in a game yesterday against a division rival. I could not have been more wrong about the Tigers coming into the season. Every player has seemingly regressed on this team, except for Miguel Cabrera, who is somehow still the Tigers' best player at age 39. Every one of our pitchers is either hurt or having marital issues like Eduardo Rodriguez and can't join the team. Uh, everyone outside, everyone from our rookie first baseman to our max contracted shortstop can't hit the ball for more than one game. Uh, our seeming, we're seemingly like 20 years into this rebuild and are somehow farther away from success than we would be if Carlos Guillen and Maglio Ordonez were still kicking it around out there for the Tigers. We haven't had a good baseball in Detroit since Jim Leland retired. And I'm not blaming AJ Hinch. I think he's a really good manager. I I just don't think they have anything in terms of a roster that it will be able to put it together. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and obviously I was wrong in the beginning of this year because I said this, this lineup has no holes in it. This lineup is so solid. Uh, a lot of fans want a new hitting coach. I just want one week where we hit the ball every game. It, because even at our best, we'll get one game where we rattle off a five to one win or something like that. And we'll go three games scoreless after that because our offense is just so bad. And I don't know what it is. And it has to start with someone like Javi Baez, who's got signed in the offseason. I know I wasn't, I tried my best to, to not get on him because like we're going to give him time. And we know Javi is a streaky guy and he can, he can be really bad at times and then he'll be really good at other times, but he's been really bad basically since we started the season, he hasn't been really good yet. So uh, it, if 
anyone is going to come out of a hole and, and shake this Tigers roster back into shape. I would hope it would be Javi Baez. And I really think that that's going to be where it's going to start. Otherwise we just got to like get healthy. I mean, it sucks that like guys like Casey Mize are getting Tommy Johns, but like we can't be throwing like minor league pitchers basically every, every couple of games. It's, it's going to be the way that it is right now, but it doesn't really matter when we score zero runs for most games that we play. So uh, the offense has got to kick it into the gear. We've got to get healthy. The Tigers have got to, figure something out because this is one of the this is one of the most embarrassing results of a rebuild I've ever seen because they're like the worst offense in the in the league right now at this point and they've had a a countless amount of years to get that that uh, lineup figured out now uh I with how it is in Detroit I'm gonna be honest I'm really more focused on college football too and really with Michigan, it's it's really I'm focused on whether JJ McCarthy is going to beat out Cade McNamara for the quarterback job. Like I think that's really the the only question mark coming into the end of the year. And I'm sick of national writers trying to like pitch it to us because Michigan is one of those programs where national writers try to get you know, butter butter the fan base up so that they'll read more often. And the big storyline coming out of spring is that Michigan has one of the best quarterback rooms in the country because you can't pick between Cade McNamara, who won a Big Ten championship last year, J.J. McCarthy is a former five-star. If you've watched any Michigan football, and and really last year, any of last year's games, J.J. McCarthy is miles above Cade McNamara in terms of talent. J.J. McCarthy is an absolute stud, and Cade McNamara just happens to be a very, very good game manager. Uh, there's a big difference in between the two. When, when you see highlights of Michigan's best passes from last year, they're almost all J.J. McCarthy. And he, the way that he puts his deep balls on, on receivers, it's like it's better than track runners handing off a baton at times. They, they catch it in stride. They don't have to break. Whereas Cade, we had to run flea flickers for most of the season last year, just to get guys open enough for him to hit them. Like that's, there's a big difference in the terms of their arm talent and their running talent. JJ became a read option specialist for us last year because that we had to get him on the field because he was that much better than Kate at, at running read options, which was a big part of our offense. So I, I think the only thing I've got to have answered before Michigan takes the field, which we won't, we won't find out until we take the field against Colorado state week one, who our quarterback is. Uh, but it, it just better be JJ. We, we know how good he is and how good he can be. And I'm just afraid it's going to be another Dylan McCaffrey situation, which if you're not a big Michigan fan, you might not know Christian McCaffrey's younger brother was on Michigan's roster for four years. And we, let Shay Patterson transfer in and start ahead of him. And then we started Joe Milton ahead of him, uh, his uh, junior year. And then he transferred away just for Joe Milton to not be able to complete a pass and get benched for Cade McNamara at the end of the year anyway. So uh, I, I don't want to make this mistake again, even though I compared it to the Tom Brady, uh, Drew Henson situation last year, this is a different situation. We've got true sophomore JJ McCarthy coming in and he is, he is the more talented quarterback. I just don't care what you have to say about Kate McNamara. He's just way more talented and he needs to start. If we're going to beat a team like Georgia, a team like Ohio state, again, we got to have the most talented guy at quarterback. It just has to be, and it's not Kate JJ. So uh, that's where I'm at with them right now. I'm really hoping to hear more good news on that soon, but 
the way Jim Harbaugh is, we're not going to hear about it until literally the, they take the field against Colorado State week one. So, uh, all right, it's time to move on to the picks. Uh, we're going to pick tonight's game six between the Warriors and Celtics. And because we won't record until next Thursday, uh, we'll also pick game seven if it becomes necessary. So, Dylan, who do you like for game six Celtics-Warriors tonight? Most of the time, I don't have reasoning behind my picks. Most of the time, it's just like this is the what I'm feeling, what I want, whatever. But I actually have some analytics here. This these playoffs, Boston is three and zero in elimination games. That's a really good stat. That's a good thing they they should follow. Golden State in their first closeout games, these playoffs, zero and two. I think those trends will continue. I think Boston wins and forces a game seven. Obviously, that's what I want. I, I want to see a game seven. But I think those trends, I think they stay true. I, I said on the TV Sports Roundtable this week, I was like, I think Boston's a team that this is a real do-or-die moment, obviously. And it feels like this is like a moment Jason Tatum's waited for. He's made all these like allusions to Kobe throughout these playoffs, especially since we got to the finals. He's, he's got to dig deep in his bag. And I think Jason Tatum – this is really his like superstar moment where he's like, he really pulls it out and forces a game seven against the dynasty. That is the golden state warriors. So yeah, I got, I got the Celtics forcing the game seven tonight and uh, Jason Tatum probably having a big game. Who do you have in game six? So I'm going to do kind of the opposite of you and using like the analytical part of my brain for all of these picks in the finals. I was like, well, the warriors always win a game on the road, but I want to see a game seven. So the Celtics will win game one. I got that right. And then the Warriors will win game four on the road. I got that right too. Now I'm going to do completely the opposite. All I've been wishing for is a game seven this for this, uh, for the series. That's what I'm picking for. I got the Celtics winning only because I want to see game seven uh, moving on into, uh, you know, this has been a great series. I think these games, you know, even though they, the scores kind of don't show it most of the time, they've been close up until like the last three minutes, which is really all you can ask for in an NBA finals game. A lot of the times it'll get, it can get really bad. And we saw that in the, in other series throughout the finals or throughout the playoffs that it can get really bad before the fourth quarter starts. So you give me a competitive game to the last couple minutes. Uh, I'm happy with it. And that's, that's what I'm hoping. Another competitive game, six Celtics bring it out. And then we get a game seven. So if necessary, game seven, Dylan, who you got? <laughs> who wins game seven? The fans. The fans win game seven because we get seven games of the NBA Finals. The first time since 2016. Haven't had one in six years, which the 2016 Finals being six years ago blows my mind. That doesn't feel right. Um, but game seven, if I have to pick a winner, I really don't care. Like I, I know I, I might say that a lot because I'm like both these teams, like I don't have anything against them. I know a lot of people don't like the Warriors and the Warriors do everything to make me want to hate them, but I still can't. Um, I'm going to go with Boston because that's who I picked at the beginning of the finals. And I, I really think I picked them at, as being one of the favorites at the beginning of the playoffs. I can't remember, but I, I've been riding Boston for a long time now. I'm just going to ride with him. I got, I got Boston. I said Boston in seven. I'm, I'm going to stick with it. Boston in seven. Yeah. I said Warriors in seven. I'm doing the same thing. I think, you know, for all the reasons, if you look back on my finals prediction at the beginning, I think it was two episodes ago. They're just too good. And they're too experienced. The roster is just built to win a finals. And, and if Wiggins keeps playing like he does, I think they'll get it done at six. Uh, but 
Curry and the Dubs will get ring number four regardless in game seven if it comes down to it. So I think that'll be that'll do it. Warriors get the dub. That's going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan Show this week. Dylan, you got any final thoughts before we take off? I don't think so. It's a first. Um, good luck to Maple Jordan. And I, I hope he gets finals MVP. I guess that's all I got, yeah. All right, all right. That'll do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan Show. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Here's where you can find us. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan Show. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great week and the rest of your weekend. And we will see you all next week. Have a good one.